Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, listen. Hey, Hey! listen. Hi there. Hey, wake up. I can't believe Hyrule's fate is in the hands of such a lazy boy, which if you'll recall, I believe is the opening line of Ocarina of Time, which mm. we're not talking about at all, but we are uh, talking what about a, tease. a different time that that character Link woke up because <laughs> that's the Link. That's the connection. Uh, I mean, that's the Zelda. That's wow. the conjunction junction. Welcome to One Upsmanship. I'm Michael Swaim. And I'm Adam Ganser. To reveal Adam Ganser. Adam who's Ganser. just really not really not in sync yet with you. Uh I think it was just the Navi thing just like really threw me off. The irritation came back straight from nineteen ninety eight. Just uh Well, it so stood out in a game where everyone else is talking, if I remember, is like uh Pikmin style where it's like and then the text would just come up and you're like why does this fucking fairy get to say the word hey at me all the time like the english word hey yeah does zelda <laughs> actually get to talk? talk i don't remember if she actually talks in that game i could be wrong but my memory is telling me that she goes like ah <laughs> and the text comes up, you know? Yeah, the way that all Muppet Nintendo style. games do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, even up to Breath of the Wild, at this point, it's not a bandwidth or like, can we fit it on the chip thing? It's an artistic choice that I think... I think they look at it as like a Pixar maneuver. It makes it universally, you know? It can ship globally. Yes, I think that's true. You don't true. have to record a second track. Except that, except that Breath of the Wild chose to do both things. Because they have cutscenes where they can talk, and then yeah. they, but most of the time it's the Muppet thing, like you were saying. So that's a strange choice. It is interesting. Yeah. I was just playing Yakuza Zero for the first time, and I thought it froze when the first cutscene happened. And it turned out they just do the cutscenes in an animatic style. It's oh. the weirdest thing I've ever seen, dude. Hmm. It'll like cut to a close up of someone still. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then because they experience an emotion, like, their frown will deepen and their brow will furrow, but they stay perfectly still otherwise. It's like slightly animated animatics. It's bizarre. So they go to like a less complicated version of media to tell the most yeah. cinematic part. Interesting. Which, uh, at the risk of overgeneralizing, that is a theme in a lot of mainstream Japanese art. Simplification being huh. less is more as a guiding factor. Hmm. So I think that could be a part of the design philosophy. Obviously not of everyone in Japan. That would be foolish to assert. Um, but I think it's a trend. Okay. Uh, just like uh, pr uh, glorifying gun violence is a very clear trend in American culture. Hard to argue with it at this point. Pretty tough. It's well, it's weird as an American to take it for granted and then actually realize that like, if you grew up in Europe and watched American films, 
it would be glaring how many guns there are. It, it's, it's like weird. We get You're it, like, America. Yeah. We get it, America. You yeah, love yeah. guns. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, other countries don't really have like 95% of movies have to be gun related. And sure. indeed, this game we're going to cover is not gun related, is it? No, Thank, bow and arrow. I, I don't believe so. I don't think I don't there's a gun there's, in it. Yeah. There's no gun in it, but there's a Ganon in it. Not Brief. this one, though. No, no, no. He does. Oh, he does shows he? up does very he? briefly. Okay, good. Yes, yes. He shows uh, up very briefly. But yeah, briefly. we're talking LA, Louisiana, Los Angeles, no <laughs> Link's Awakening. So let's pass that first checkpoint, which in this case would be, I think, just every time you pass through a threshold. Is that right? I think that's correct, although there are warp points that you have to uncover. There's like let's, six of them. Let's feed some shells into the thing and see if the water level rises enough. Because if it does, it means it's time for the first thing, which is speed run. <laughs> mm, uh, speed we run. don't have a guest this time, and I can't remember who did it last time we didn't have a guest. Do you I, feel like doing the speed run or not? I will give it a shot. All right. I will give that a shot. Adam Ganser bringing you your Link's Awakening speed run. Start the clock. Now, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening was originally a Game Boy game released in 1993. It is the fourth installment, I want to say, in The Legend of Zelda series overall, which means there were the first three of them, the first two being on the NES, the next <laughs> one being on Super, <laughs> Super Nintendo, and then this was released on the Game Boy. The game was lovingly remastered with a, a sort of animated toy-like uh texture for the Nintendo Switch uh, and released in 2019. It was probably one of the biggest hits this year on Nintendo's uh, on the Switch, I would argue. And uh, it is basically the same exact size and scale that the game was in Game Boy, other than just a kind of uh, a facelift, if you will. To and, the pixel almost. Yes, and I'm, I'm told it's like a very faithful remake, including the story. The so, world map, but even to the point Sorry, I'll, I won't interrupt to get after this, but uh, just because it bears on your point, and I just learned this today from a friend, um, the gra like the clumps of grass are in the exact same orientation. It's that level of slavish remake. It's like the Psycho remake. Yeah, I mean that, and that makes sense to me. That's Nintendo. They they yeah they love their things that much. If you're unfamiliar with a Legend of Zelda game, I cannot believe that you stumbled onto this podcast. <laughs> but if you are not familiar, it's the whimsical fairy tale story of a heroic boy who is forced to save either a land or an island in this case by journeying from dungeon to dungeon, acquiring proper items that unlocks the next path to the next dungeon until finally you face some final boss and there is some story to it. Uh, this is one of the better ones historically and I enjoyed this quite a bit. And that's my, that's my speed run. All right. Good job, good, buddy. Thank you. I felt good about it. Thank you. That brings us to the rants. Player mm. one ranting on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, This I never played the original, so that if you're going into the episode, uh, rants are usually where we give more personal context. So the main context for me is that I didn't play the Game Boy version, so you should know that and filter all of your opinions of what I say through that lens. This was a huge year for remakes between this and the Resident Evil 2 remake, which... Also, it was a game I barely played the original. Always knew I should play because it's the equivalent of a classic film that you're supposed to have seen. And when I finally played the remake, was like, fuck yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's like when I finally watched Die Hard, which I watched very late in life and was like, yeah, did you guys know Die Hard's really good? And everyone's like, yeah, we Yeah, know. bro. <laughs> um, yeah, we get it. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, but there's a lot of movies we say that about and I see it and go, ah. It was good. And they're like, no, no, no. But everyone knows when they say it about Die Hard. No, it's really good. It's like really good. And that's essentially how I feel about Resident Evil 2 and how I feel about Link's Awakening Remake. Mm. Assuming that the graphical facelift as well as the addition of a dungeon builder and there was one other change. What else did they add? Uh, There's an ad. They made, a, they made a dungeon that is a color-based dungeon, which I'm imagining... Was not in probably the first wasn't one. in the first iteration of it because yeah. the Game Boy was black and white. But right. um, given that, I would have to imagine the experience is very similar, especially because the graphics are. If you follow me, like these graphics are cute and very polished, but not stellar. 
in the same way that I think if I played it on Game Boy when it came out, I would say the graphics are competent but not mind-blowing. So I feel like I had a fairly equivalent experience to playing it, like to playing the original, uh, as equivalent as I could simulate given the fact that I didn't play it and so much time has passed and it's too late and we can't go back. Oh, God, my life. (laughs) But um, (laughs) but, uh, Uh, I fucking loved it. What a tight, sweet little this is starting to sound filthy but what a tight sweet little boy that sweet link is. little game yeah yeah what a, um i really enjoyed plumbing the depths of link's world and, boy oh uh, boy boy oh boy um and yeah it was uh i, I basically just want to get to game on to talk about uh why okay but but unfortunately you have to listen to me first I, i'm I sorry will. to tell it's, you it's, it's yeah to wrap up my rant it's very immediately gratifying in the way that all the top down link zelda games are mm-hmm. it is nowhere near as epic as ocarina of time yet i thought what it did well was knowing its own scope and scale and saying well we're a game boy game we're going to be roughly this size and we're we can only do this much stuff what's the best thing we could do with those elements and that limit those that scope and that limitations and uh, they sure did a great job considering it's like the story is not a story that i would say is mind-blowing on the level of like a dark city but you're like ah what a nice little twist for a short tight little story and everything about this game feels that way to me it's like nintendo knew what they were doing and they sent their like b unit but still top level game designers to go make their game boy version of their popular property and they nailed it they did exactly as they were tasked with doing they made a good short Zelda game. Mm. End of player one rant. Mm. Okay, this is uh, player two plugging in, and I think this is kind of a cynical game in some ways. Uh, I'll tell you why. So, there's nothing bad about it if you like Zelda. If you like a Zelda game, you got one. This is a Zelda game. It's, you know, not as good as Link to the Past, but it's better than Zelda 2. It's a very good top-down Zelda game. And that means it's a very good game. And yet, I have to ask myself, in this day and age, why are we remaking this game? And I know it's because, well, they can't just show, they can't just drop the Game Boy game onto the Switch, probably. And yet, my question would be, but can't they? Can't they just drop the game onto their online platform where they're releasing all the rest of their games for free? That are their old classic games? Classics collections. yeah, Yeah. Why is this game being lovingly remastered but it's not being changed it's not being remastered like final fantasy 7's being remastered it's just being reskinned and released for a full 60 dollar price point on the switch now i'm not going to say that it isn't a fun zelda game it absolutely is a fun zelda game i just think that having played it and in, having played it for the first time this year and enjoying it i'm sort of looking back being like yeah this just feels like a cash grab to me it sort of tips over into the cash grab part of the equation to me and i I feel a little uncomfortable with that whereas if they were going to remaster for instance ocarina of time or like any of the classic zeldas and charge me full price for it that like has a sort of historical place for most gamers i'd be like sure this is doesn't have that or maybe it does and i'm just not aware of it i i just don't think it deserved to be a full $60 game, and that's my rant. So, And that's his rant. Mm. And that's a checkpoint. Yes, it is. And now it's game on. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. 
comedian, writer and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're really in the dark dungeon now. Do you disagree? Do you think it's not a cash grab? That it's an awesome thing for gamers? Um, Everything's a spectrum, right? So you just mean more how much is it a cash grab? Yes. I mean, every game that's made, they hope to make money. That doesn't make it a cash grab. Does it uh, but bother I think I know you more mean. than other... Like, it's well, just a facelift. Our, ep- our last episode was Jedi Fallen Order. Sure. And it had a lot of merits to the design of it that we went into mm-hmm. in that episode but i don't i would argue that almost by virtue of being under the umbrella of star wars properties it's nothing but a cash grab isn't at some point in a successful franchise can't you say every mario game's a cash grab and then when odyssey comes along and you're like they really did an innovative good job with that cash grab i guess the question starts to lose meaning to me because and i've been thinking about this a lot lately and this is probably more in depth than you wanted to get so quickly but um Corporations don't truly exist in and of themselves, right? They're comprised of people, but well, unfortunately, the, we don't politically agree with that. But I'm going to move on before this is not a politics I, podcast. I guess I mean in the sense that a corporation can only exist if human beings exist to do it, like a tree yes. falling in the woods. You know what I yes, mean? I agree. Philosophically, humans must exist for there to be yes. a corporation working in any way. Correct. Um, and I feel like in some important ways. The act of incorporating and even like teaming up into categorizations like humans or if you're a fucking prick, my race or whatever, you know, or nation um, is that we become more we have way more ability to rationalize and deny culpability and things that upset our moral center because the guilt is all shared and offset to the corporation, which takes on this sort of aura of its own existence that we call a brand. And in that regard, I think you have to differentiate between like, okay, here's my point. Nintendo can be making a cash grab and the game could have been funded for cash grab reasons by people who had cash grab in mind. But the person sitting at the computer typing out the code or designing the level map for all we know might genuinely enjoy the project and be trying as hard as they can to make their best artistic decisions uh it's really impossible to know or separate my point being that cash grabs can turn out well and i think that's what this is i think it It, is a cash grab where the people who worked on it tried hard and did a good job but it's still a cash grab so okay but then then let me let me dial back the obfuscation of what is and is not a cash grab in my mind a little bit so to me this is a game that mechanically and in terms of story everything except for how it looks has existed for 20 plus years 27 years right it's it there's nothing about it other than the way it looks that is updated for this re-release right when you first loaded it up or first saw the commercial though did you have the same experience i did where you thought 
that is a hell of a facelift. The yeah, particular graphical great. look of it yeah. is delightful and like vibrant yes. and very pleasing and, and fits. It fits awesome. the story. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but like okay, so again though, so let's not forget Nintendo has an online collection of Nintendo and Super Nintendo games that for $20 a year you have permanent access to it. It's essentially like a Netflix for select Nintendo games. And it's a very select Does it feature few. Game Boy? It doesn't, but that's my argument. It's like, well, it should include Game Boy games. And I think charging $60 as though it's a brand new property, the same price they charge for Breath of the Wild is yeah. crazy. You know, when you sit and like, I think Nintendo is guilty of this. First of all, their store page just sucks ass. Generally. It's really bad. Like, literally, yeah, the page, really bad. But, yeah, but the uh, they, uh, I think they've gotten entitled as far as now that everything is streaming and there's such a thing as Steam and so many people are immersed in it, and there are games that range from two dollars to sixty dollars to a hundred dollars if it's the definitive special edition with the DLC season pass included, like. I think this idea of a standard, like for the most of our lives, it was 50 bucks. Every game costs 50 bucks. Yes. Um, and then they raised it in the last 15 years to 60 bucks, and that's just inflation. But my point being, it's weird to me, even that Nintendo still sticks with the entitlement of, well, that's the standardized price of a fully programmed Nintendo game. Whereas I think you're right. I forgot it was that much. And when you say that, I cringe. Like for the exact reason you said, this game is great. But even when it came out on Game Boy, it was a Game Boy game, not an SNES right. game. And they're different in scope. And I don't think and they cost they, 60 bucks back exactly, then. Exactly. Yeah. This is not Breath of the Wild. Like, if you can get the full experience of Breath of the Wild for 60 bucks, and it's the same company with the same character, don't you understand why this shouldn't cost quite as much? That's and, a very valid point. And it's I'm not, very expensive for what it is. I'm not anti-capitalist here. Like, I like. there's a part of it... At least not for not for the purposes of this discussion. So like there are if somebody was like, listen, man, Call of Duty should cost one hundred and seven dollars, you know, and like uh, and Zelda should like Breath of the Wild should have cost one hundred and twenty dollars. And like what you're doing is actually paying the premium for games not having inflated enough. I can accept that argument, but that is not the actual state of affairs right now. Right now, charging sixty dollars is basically the most you can charge for a game as a new release. Now you can charge a season pass on top of it. You can have in-game transactions and so on. I understand that. But a $60 release means this is a triple a premium new release. So let's ask ourselves why, if you're going to re-release a game and charge full price, what is the expectation for that re-release? And I think a very good two examples to pivot around is Resident Evil 2, that recent remake, and this upcoming Final Fantasy VII. Both of those games took the original concept and then updated it for this is how games are now played and gave you a current experience of the old game narrative and checkpoints. And to me, that's well, a full game. The argument for the remake in both cases is that the original developers sort of had a core mechanic that they found a way to work with, but literally was based around the limitations of the engine. In Resident Evil 2, famously, walking sucks ass. Like, right. you have to turn like a boat and then slowly right. walk forward. And on the one hand, they said, you know what? It's okay because it's a zombie game and it'll heighten the tension. And it did. It kind of worked that way. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't harm their game and it was still an, a fabulous game. Nevertheless, now that the current technology exists, I think even the developers themselves would say, oh, I would love the idea of getting to have remade that with the ability to just press the thumbstick and you can move freely around. That's kind of what we wanted to do. Um, so yeah, in both those cases, you're changing the mechanics. Yes. But I would argue that, well, FF7 remake is the drastic, most drastic change. But but for the better. I I mean, I haven't, for the better. haven't played it yet, but for the better, I imagine. But not, I imagine as well, but not counting that Resident Evil 2... I know you. I'm just discounting the thing that you said. I'm sorry, but I mean, okay, that aside, the one thing that they said, which is a pretty obvious idea, Resident Evil 2 was a masterpiece of a game, but it was hard to move around. What if we release it and made it easy to move around? 
nothing else is really different. I know Mr. X is slightly different or whatever. The way it mechanically functions. It's rendered in 3D space, whereas the original one was more top-down 2D space, Um, right? It wasn't top-down. It was postcard 2D background with your 3D character moving in a fake, like, super liminal 3D space. Like, you did walk forward and backward and get bigger and smaller, but it was a weird combination of sprites and 3D models. And uh, I guess all I'm getting at is Link's Awakening has the graphical enhancement, and I do think it's fair to say that we often go... Yeah, but graphics is graphics, whatever. That's not artistically important, or that just takes care of itself, or whatever. But that's not true. Graphics are very important. Of course they are. And visual art is an important component of the interactive medium. Sure. And the graphics are fucking cool. (laughs) They're, like, delightful. Um, They're Pixar-y and, like, jovial and bright. And... Uh, they add the dungeon building component, which I know a lot of people didn't care for. I spent at least six, seven hours fucking around with it. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, and what was the last thing? You already said it earlier. There was another thing they added that's different. They, I think they added a specific color, color dungeon, I want to say. That was a new dungeon? I like think a it was new. Dungeon. Yeah, I think it was new. So I guess I would just argue that the whole pie that makes up a video game is mechanics and graphics and story score and story yeah. and the voice acting and so to say remakes should only be made if there's a mechanical change is elevating that facet over the others unduly it should why, be charged you, full price if there's a mechanical change why is the mechanical change so much more important i think in, is it because programming is mysterious to us and we don't know how to do it uh, but we know how to draw things that's a fair <laughs> so like let me i actually think i can illustrate this better by using a different example because it gets really like subjective at that point but let me use a different example so we have that we've had this ongoing conversation these last 5 years about were the new star wars trilogy enough of a reboot you know what i mean like so or enough of a sequel, for instance. So, like, fall. So, Force Awakens. The the rundown on it that everybody agrees on is like it's basically a beat for beat remake of New Hope. And so, because of that, we feel cheated, right? We feel cheated because it's like, dude, you just. Oh, I re- thought. I thought most people liked it because of that. No, no, I think that's why. Isn't that was... why J.J. Abrams was reinstated? Because everyone's like, "No, Ryan Johnson, don't do anything even slightly different by a negligible percentage. Bring J.J. Abrams back. Just give me the applesauce, Daddy. Like I just eat applesauce." I think that we're. I Isn't think... that the tenor of the internet right now? No, I think that we're summarizing a particular piece of the internet and and assuming that's the entire internet and it's All not right. really so everyone on my twitter timeline is pretty much of that opinion oh i not mine but okay fair enough okay. so so that's there are varying opinions but i think it's safe to say that force awakens one of the things that we ding it for is the fact that it the the main thing that a movie is which is a narrative visual story it chose to take all the beats and sort of reskin them with you know updated graphics you know, like that looks better. It's newer. It's uh, but basically yeah. same beats, and right? They flopped one or two beats. It's yeah. like it used to go one, two, three, four, five. Now it goes one, four, two, three, five. Yes, <laughs> You're like okay, right? <laughs> so now let me use and this a thing I've recently discussed. But so now let me talk about Ocean's Eleven. So the movie Ocean's Eleven is also a reboot, right? It's also a reboot, but the only thing it's keeping is a brand name and a location and a basic, like a very loose basic premise. And a casting strategy. Yeah, right, right. Like sort of a, yeah, a motif, if you will. Uh, A production strategy, in a sense, that is its legacy. Yeah. And to me, I think, hey, that's a really smart reboot. Like, I have nothing against it whatsoever. And it's still delivering a fundamental experience that I expected it to, and it's not that different than the original experience, because they're both supposed to be heist movies, right? But... Because because it only took those few elements and the rest of it was updated for its time, I feel like it's a totally legitimate enterprise. So now let me apply these two examples to Link's Awakening. So to me, Link's Awakening is closer to the Force Awakens spectrum. In fact, it's even further on that spectrum than Force Awakens because it was unwilling to even really like flop a few beats. It wasn't even willing to do that. It was just it's just graphics. And the Final Fantasy VII reboot is closer to 
the uh, Ocean's Eleven reboot, where it's like, yes, we're going to keep the story, but the way that you interact with the story, which is fundamentally what games are, totally different. And I think that that does matter. I don't think that's a small issue. And I think that we should, as consumers, feel a little more frustrated by this particular gambit from Nintendo, particularly because Nintendo's not making enough games for the Switch. That's why this project exists, because they're not making enough games. Like, it was the second biggest release this year for the Switch. Yeah, but it's not a reboot. It's a remake and remaster. Sure. I would argue that if the Psycho remake changed the ending, that would actually be a misstep. You have to know what you are. But the Psycho remake There is a value. Time is... Oh, I love it. Um, But to me, time is fleeting. I actually really like the Psycho remake. Um, The Van Zandt one? I'm just just like, why do I want exactly the same movie that I got from Hitchcock? You know what I mean? Um, Like Hitchcock, the Hitchcock one is fucking awesome. Because I had never seen it. Okay. So this is what I'm getting at. This is for a new Uh, audience is the argument then? We're... We would like to, th- yes, we would like to think that the story is our story and we've already experienced this, so it doesn't matter and it's redundant and a cash grab. But I've never played Link's Awakening for even a second before in my whole life. So even though what you say does make me agree that the price point is greedily high, um, I'm super happy to have had the experience and I would never Same. have played it on an old Same. school Game Boy with crappy graphics. I wouldn't either. I needed this to exist in order to play it because it's the version for 2019. Like, why do we buy new cars? Because they wear out and they don't work anymore and they don't, it's not the kind of car people have and you anymore need the and service. it doesn't drive as well. You need the service. You need the anti lock brakes. You're used to having a rear view camera and you don't know how to parallel park anymore without it. I don't know how to play fucking crappy ass Game Boy games really anymore. I want the graphics to look nice. Um, I think there's some truth not, to that's that. That's not even... I, I play a lot of retro pixel indie games, but um, my point is, I think what you're saying is true, but I think it's a stretch to then discount the practice because there is such a thing as remaking something merely for the sake of remaking it. Nothing's... Very few stories are truly innovative, and yet people are constantly dying and being born, and they deserve to experience the great thing. Well, you know, so, okay. with modern sensibilities. So then, let me well let let me posit some other things then that are that are more neutral because we don't have that strong a sense of morality about this with video games. Is like I think one of the big points I want to make. We're not as bummed about remakes and reskins with video games as we would be with movies. Because movies, we have a little bit, a little bit more history. So imagine some executive in a fucking boardroom somewhere says, you know what, isn't The Godfather a great movie? I think that the kids and the young teens need to experience The Godfather, and there's no way they can go back to this movie that's 50 years old, or, yeah, 50 years old, and watch it, because it's, you know, the old film and stuff and old actors. We need to remake The Godfather so that people can get The Godfather experience. Aren't you viscerally like, no... You don't need to do that. The Godfather... Oh, no, not at all. Well, because I'm a weirdo in that I believe that the Godfather will always exist and doesn't is not added to or subtracted to by anything else around it. Agreed. That's how art works. Like, I would say anyone can remake anything. I don't care at all. Like, it never bothers me at all. Remake anything you want. Do 20 Ghostbusters. They'll If they're all bad, I won't watch them. And the original Ghostbusters will still be good. I actually think the original Ghostbusters is overrated, I but agree that with would that. be my stance in this metaphor yeah. if you follow. So, yeah. so you don't think that remaking a thing, uh, you don't think that remaking a thing in any way diminishes the original thing? I no, it doesn't diminish the original. It can't because they're not connected. But I would argue that's interesting. That, I mean, philosophically, they're I, not connected. I would argue that it's been a historic trend in film, certainly. Yeah, that. If someone announces a remake, especially the closer it is to the original, and if the original was a huge financial success, it generally turns out not well, not good. And that tends to be because it really is far towards the cash grab spectrum, so they cut corners and they push as hard as they can to just get it out fast, and it's all image and there's no substance. And no one really had an idea for a story that deserved telling. That's not why they made it. But I do think it's different in video games because... As I said in the Breath of the Wild episode, 
nothing about the Link Zelda story is remotely anything or interesting or substantive I, see, I think to that's, me in any way. I think that's a little reductive. I think that's a little reductive. I know you do. Uh, but uh, to me, the story, once upon a time, for the 50th time, a guy who never speaks saved a princess from an evil guy we know nothing about. I am like, okay. We know, that's we know as simple as you can more get. more than a little about Ganon. Well, I don't mean to be dismissive, yeah. but I guess I do. But... Um, I, I don't mean to me in the sense that my main driving point is I love all the Zelda games and I play them Same. all. And what I'm looking for is not story complexity, but rather Mecha- uh, mechanic. how satisfying yeah, are the puzzles and the walking yeah. around and slashing stuff. Agreed. And uh, everything in this remaster is dialed in perfectly and it's fun to do. I, I mean, and I think that your opinion... So it's hard for me to get as hung up on the $60. I'm like, you're right, that is too expensive. Still glad I caved and played it. Me too. I really liked this game, which I had not played before, because I really like Zelda games. Like, I like I can't sit here and be like, this game sucks for a Zelda game, because it kind of doesn't. It's just like a pretty good Zelda no, game. The dungeons are as well designed as most of the right. top-down Zelda dungeons. Which it's, yeah. it's not as good as Link from the Past. Like, I think Link from the Past is a little more complicated and a little bit better. But like they're very similar. Link from the past is like a longer aged up version of this, slightly aged with up, a yeah. slightly more depth of mechanics, mechanical yeah. depth. Yeah, in part because it has two extra buttons. Like like right. you have to you have to you have to put your jump on one of the two buttons, which I fucking hate about this game. But just just one more time, and I then I'll drop this issue because I know we've spent twenty minutes $60? on sixty dollars. No no no, yeah. it's not. This, I, I made my point about sixty dollars. I just want to get to the root of this philosophical issue, which is an artistic conversation, and that is, I think that my problem is that I reject the underlying assumption that people cannot go and have an authentic experience that's similar or as good as or even just still good with an older rendering in a media con- like property you know what i mean oh, of like, course they can but i'm saying oh, and i think because i believe that art doesn't diminish other art that doesn't me have any correlation to yeah people can enjoy the old one and these people can make the new one and if you have the cash to spare and want to play the newer sleeker one you can buy it it's all fine i, I do whatever you want i agree <laughs> i'm not trying to limit their freedom i'm just saying like right. i'm just trying to evaluate the value of the choice there and to me, it's. Mm. I think that I would rather see the effort spent on attempting to make new properties that have their own, even if there's new Zelda properties, even if this was like, hey, listen, we're going to do exactly what Super Mario Brothers, uh, the, the Super Luigi Brothers game that just was released last year, you know what I'm talking sure. about? That, I think that was also a Wii U game that was re-released on the Switch. That is essentially a reskinning of Mario Brothers. That's basically what it is. But they're like, but we're going to add some slightly new mechanics and update it a little bit, and it's going to justify its price point because of that. And I'm like, yes, I totally agree. This game refused to do that. It could, they could have made it a top-down Zelda game. There's no reason right, not like to. The people who made Sonic Mania felt the need yeah. to. They're like, look, we're going to charge people, so we better add eight modes and the ability to customize yes. which shields are included and not, you know, bells and whistles shit, because it's really just Sonic levels again. Um, and it's, but put together well, is, so we better add bells and whistles. This doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles, but it has none. Yeah, I it just has no can't bells care. And whistles. It has no bells. Yeah, it and whistles. does. It has the dungeon builder, and it right, has the graphics right, right. Well, update, which is a huge. That's a factor. that is a bell, and I like it. You're right. I, I think I just think as consumers and like the video game consumers need to demand more eat the rich no 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 they need to demand more out of companies like nintendo because uh nintendo refuses to cooperate with the other trends in gaming like having backwards compatibility releasing your library like they're a lot more limiting uh, yeah, of that i don't know and i i would just say nintendo fans are already pretty fucking confrontational if you follow i'm sure like, they are i i have no doubt the overwhelming yeah. avalanche of petitions and death threats because of the pokemon pokedex <laughs> nonsense um, i do not nintendo follow that. Fans, thank god nintendo fans are not holding their tongues like they're calling Nintendo exec they're calling for the heads and blood of Nintendo executives by the thousands. 
I'm not encouraging not gamers this. to be maniacs. Yeah. I this, but again, no. I think this is one of those like si- sort of subtle things that is actually more important than the Pokedex. This thing. was a huge success, yes. and no one really questioned the right. price point. It's the same thing the time, as when yeah. my friends say like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I like, I want to see that movie, but I don't think it's a theater movie. I think it's more of a home movie." I reject that duality. All movies are theater movies because there is such a thing as a theater mm. experience, and every movie deserves to have it. That's my opinion. You know, like, and it's an artistic the opinion. The Poughkeepsie tapes? I haven't seen the Poughkeepsie tapes, so. VHS too, or you know what I mean? Sure, sure, What about sure, a found sure. footage thing that mimics television? Shouldn't that be seen at home on television? Not if it was designed to be released in the theater, no. I would say, okay. yeah, I don't think there's such a thing as this deserves to be in the well, theater. That doesn't. I don't think that. Well, often on this show, we are opposed, and I think this is one of those times. Oh, you think there I'm is such a thing? Too. You think like, oh, we should have like I don't want to speak for you, but oh, what's the yeah. line now for the you? Big f- now the big flat screen TVs exist. I would classify any movie that is just a modern setting, acting toward a force where the lighting is not particularly painterly or anything. Totally. Watch it at home. What's the difference? Who gives a shit? Watch Marriage Story at home, of course. For me, the difference is... Watch Squid and the Whale at home, of course. Watch Avengers Endgame at home? No. It's only foreseeing in the movie. That's like the only way to get enjoyment out of well, it. But there's a ton of movies. Godfather you could watch at home easily. We've been talked into the idea that uh, that the theater is for the blockbuster sound and size. As though well, that's the only Aristotle and spectacle, yeah, the true right. definition. Right, and I yeah. don't think I don't think that's the only thing we get from theater watching. I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole here. And this is a good conversation. I think that in the same way that uh, I am not willing to accept the reverse argument for video games, which is to say, like, the only way you can enjoy uh, old content is for it to be remade i just don't accept those assumptions i think no i I enjoy playing super mario brothers the original game just as it was programmed with the original controller i still like that and i understand if a kid doesn't but i that doesn't mean i need an update for it i apologize if that's what i said but i don't think that's what i'm saying in the sense that no i'm saying try both whichever one you enjoy more you're right like everyone's entitled to either opinion and it doesn't matter and they don't detract from one another there's no such thing as whether the game boy is a purer version of Link's awakening than the remake agreed that is a meaningless question i literally don't think it has any meaning i agree with that except that the only way that they can get away with releasing this this way is by not is making it available one from exactly us. right that is a fake uh that's a fake dichotomy Especially and that ends the player one rant. <laughs> <laughs> but like again, Xbox and PlayStation, uh, and even fucking Stadia is like trying to eliminate those kinds of things, you know. And I think that's a yeah. good thing for gamers, and I think that we should care about it. I've said enough. We've spent enough time on this. No, no, no. I'm just sad that uh, Reggie Watts is the state. I know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, good. Me Get too. Paid. Yeah. But like, uh, I just hope. Um, your average viewer investigates his amazing work sure. and finds out more about him because he's so much more than the Stadia spokeshead. I, f- <laughs> I, I do not fear for him. I think he'll be okay. I saw him open for Devo. It Ooh, was great. Weird. That's a weird combination good of show. things. Okay. Yeah, Reggie Watts opening for Devo. Good, good show. So what do you think makes this particular Zelda game stand out among the pantheon of Zelda games? Oh, I don't think it stands out necessarily. I think it's I think Zelda as a franchise stands out. It's uh they invented the top down slashing through grass, winding up and swinging. Uh the dungeons are little puzzle boxes that you slowly open till you get to the boss fight genre. And I would argue this one's just as good as any of the other ones. And that's my main knock against the Zelda franchise is I do think they've gotten better about it. Like something I love about Mario is 64 is very different from world is very different from Odyssey is very different from sunshine. Correct. Uh, For a long time link. And that's why Ocarina was so important. The switch over from 2d to 3d forced link to become something new because up till then they were pretty precious with the formula link games are largely interchangeable to me except zelda 2 until you reach except zelda 2 where they tried to make it a side scroller 
And we're like, yes. that's a mistake. We'll never do that again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of an anomaly. Yeah. But then when we switch over 3D, they go, well, now how do you adapt that to 3D? And they did an amazing job. And then for a long time again, like Twilight Princess and Majora's Mask, they add more systems, mm -hmm. but they're more careful than the Mario yeah, team they are. is. And it might be the same people, but I just mean with this franchise, they're slower to innovate. They're like, okay. Link does this. Okay. It's Link does this. But then uh, I actually think they're really stretching their legs with the fact that Breath of the Wild took away one of the main things, which is... Dungeons. You always expect more, more and more sprawling, bigger puzzle dungeons yeah. than last time. After the Water Temple in Ocarina, you're like, geesh, how much bigger and more puzzly can this get before I can't get through them anymore? And then in Breath of the Wild, it's amazing that they're like, nah... This time there's like 150 tiny dungeons and only four big dungeons. And they're not even as big as your classic big ocarina dungeons. And um, you can so go wherever you want. You can like any any trajectory you yeah. want to go, you can go there. I, I agree with that. And the focus is physics puzzles instead of the old school 2D kind of puzzles. But nevertheless, so if you can find like the domain just to these top-down 2D link games that feel like this. Which, this felt like one of those, and I like well, them. I th They're fun. I think there's only, uh, well, there's probably a bunch of them, honestly, that we haven't there's played. Only, well, because there's four swords, and there's right. Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword is um, a 3D one with the Wii remote, isn't it? I've never played that is one. It? Okay. See, that one's. Then four swords, I know, is top down, but what's unique is it's four player co op. But there are other top down Skyward, side games. Skyward Sword is actually a risky version for, I think it's like one of the few times they tried to innovate and failed. Uh, but it was produced at a lower budget than the core Zelda games. I looked that okay, up. Okay, interesting. It was a bit of an experiment, but they didn't invest as much as they would in a mm. mainline. I think Zelda I think that's game. a valid critique you're making. Is that they have tried things with Zelda? It's not like they never try anything, but they are a lot more hesitant to really innovate than they are with Mario. But they also release more Zelda games than they release Mario games proper. Right, like Mario gets like spinoff yeah. activities formed as a totally different game. Well, it's interesting. Uh, something David S. Slash X Cohen says about Simpsons versus Futurama is that you'll notice the Simpsons plots will be way stretchier and go way farther and break reality and be bizarre and like a hundred things will happen in one Simpsons episode because it's set in reality and everything you're going to see is instantly relatable. Dad, kid, tree, bus. Right. They're like, so we push it far. If you parse future the structure of Futurama episodes, it's actually intentionally a Simple. lot simpler. Yeah. And of course modeled after the structure of next generation episodes. But but it's it's a more basic circular story arc where, oh, there's one overriding problem. Oh, the solution comes upon us. Oh, we're back to the beginning, but changed somehow slightly. Mm. Um and that's because they're like, well, it's sci-fi, so we're going to have to be explaining a bunch of bullshit and showing you a bunch of crazy aliens and explaining, this is their deal and this is what they do. And that fills storytelling space. This is why they're so smart to me. I mean, this is brilliant to know ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So we simplified the stories to make room for that. And you're like, good idea. And I think that Nintendo's doing that with Mario because they kind of got locked into... Look, I don't know why he's a plumber. Right. I mean, really, the reason is overalls are easy to draw when you only have two colors and eight pixels totally. and you're programming Donkey Kong or whatever. And they're like, you know, he's just our mascot. So in that case, when you're like, you know, as a writer, if you were to sit down and brainstorm and say, well, what's going to happen in the next Soul Calibur game? There are a bunch of threads where you're like, well, Yoshimitsu's got to do right, this because right. that's what he always These does. These are things that Baldo's have to happen. got to thrust. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Whereas Mario, you're Pretty like, open. so what should happen to Mario this time? And you're like, who gives a shit, man? Mario's nothing, which is kind of freeing. Yeah. Like, I, he can become a bee in space. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. As long it's as there's just pipes. just a middle-aged man. Yeah, as long as there's yeah, pipes. He's just a guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much that's it. Um, so I... I think the fact that Link is sort of an appeal to actual epic fantasy, like it's the world is kind of Lord of the Rings light, you know? So it's a little more contained. Uh, yeah, I think they're a little more solemn yeah. about like, well, the, the story is a legend. Legends don't really deviate, you know? I think they're yeah. monolithic. Well, and that's sort of true of Metroid also, which has a, not a lot of story. Uh, Metroid, as a core experience, really doesn't deviate much. It It's, uh, so... I was thinking that, and in, in that case, I have a different theory that's probably super biased. Okay. 
I just think it's a more important mechanical innovation than Link really is, even though both are very important. Metroidvania-style gameplay is life. <laughs> like it's, well, I don't know. They're, they're kind if of I the were same. The game, if, like Zelda and Metroid are the same-ish. Yeah, you but know? Metroid involves... They're the same ish, yeah. but that ish has minor nuances that are important. Um, the feeling of areas that are locked off versus, well, you do get powers, and I don't know. I can't. Maybe it's just sci-fi versus fantasy it, thing. Maybe that I'm comes full back to it a lot for you, which I like. I like that conversation a lot. But I don't think it's wholly that, and I'm having trouble elucidating it. But I do think there's, for example, I don't hear people cite Zelda games as Metroidvania games. So there are nuanced differences, whereas other games that come out are cited as Metroidvania uh, style. You know, Blas- Blasphemous yeah. is straight up a Metroid game. And I would just say, if I were working on the franchise that is the namesake for one of the best, most important genres of interactive thing, Metroid-type games. I just would be too scared to fuck with the formula. Well, it's That's I all. love it so much. And there's not that many Metroid games, so like I think there's that to its advantage. If you include indie games, we're kind of overdoing it now. Yeah, there sure. are actually right, right. Like almost a dozen high-profile um, what was the other one everyone loves where uh, you're the girl running around, it's anime styled, it won a bunch of Game of the Year awards. Uh, Bay- anyway. Bayonetta? No. Uh, no, but that is a Metroidvania game. Yeah. And then you also got, uh, anyway, I don't have the list up in front of me, but my point is I love them. I look them all up on Steam and there have been in the last three years, like 15 really good games that are essentially right. Metroid. It's like ha- and I played them all. It's, it's like the <laughs> horror genre in movies. It's like of course, like the fundamental yeah. horror experience is usually pretty similar. Uh and we like yeah. it, so we're going to keep redoing it. I I just so that the the audience doesn't feel cheated with this episode uh by not having actually covered the game, can I just say a couple things that I that do stand out about this particular game uh which people seem to revere about it. The first thing is that it's one of the only ones that doesn't take place in Hyrule. It takes place on its own island, and the core story problem is not Ganon took over. It's please don't finish this game, because once you do, you're going to wake up, and then we will stop existing, which is kind of a fun wrinkle in the Zelda lore. Uh, It's still simple, but it's more of a twist than Zelda usually has. They're just basically like self-aware that this is a side story. Yeah. Like, look, this ain't Hyrule. This is where you belong. You got blown off course. This is some Alice in Wonderland shit. When you finish the game, you'll just wake up in Hyrule and none of this will have been real. Please don't finish the game. Yeah, please don't kill us. Uh, (laughs) And then you do and you wake up. Presumably they all died in horrible pain. I kind of liked the fatalism of that a little bit. Uh, And I think people must have connected to that in the Game Boy age for the same reasons. Like, gosh, that's kind of a sad thought. And it's kind of mature for a young gamer. Mind-blowingly adult at the time. Yeah. Yeah. In 2019, it's way less impactful, although it still has impact. But if I were playing that on a Game Boy at age 11 when it came out and got to the ending, I would have been like, whoa. That's pretty yeah. deep and trippy for a Game Boy game. Yeah, man. I'm not allowed. Yeah. To, I'm not allowed to use the F word, but I was mind fudged by that for sure. Did you save the princess? <laughs> no, man. She wasn't even there at all. She never even Is existed. Is there bro. really a princess, man? You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's that. And the last thing is, and I am pretty sure this is in the original Game Boy game. The uh, the collection of Mario related toys. Uh, for the village, I love that claw game. I like the claw game too. Uh, did you? Did it? I also like the game of going all over the world map, unraveling the sequence of items that need to be that returned. That was to my people. favorite thing about the game was that there was one item quest that sort of took you to every area and gave and the shells, yeah, and gave you a yeah, and gave you sort of an emotional experience. That was rewarding. I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't stand out much from. The, it's not better than Zelda 1 or Link from the Past. No, it's not better than, yeah. but it's still good because yeah. it's fun to do the things Zelda yeah. does. If you like those top-down Zelda games, this is one yeah. of them. And that's saying something. Agreed. Like, that they're good games. <laughs> so, uh, just, so I had a couple other things I wanted to say about it, if you don't. 
It's I, in, it's insane to me how much real estate on this island was spent on an obstacle course. <laughs> like this is a small ass island, and they have well, it's a dream. One, so I guess that's, that's why. But yeah, yeah, but these residents agreed that this one guy was allowed to use basically a twentieth of the island for his bizarre now, fucking obstacle about- course with a raft. That raft obstacle course. Oh, yeah, course. yeah, yeah. The whole section where they're like, now this quadrant of the island is just <laughs> rapids that have been meticulously set up to create a rafting challenge. Can yeah. you imagine the residents agreeing to that shit? How could that ever <laughs> happen? It's just crazy. Uh, so there's that. I also thought the graves, the like, the ghosts are very persistent in the Zeldaverse. And yeah. I feel like that should, like, if you're. If you lived in the Zelda universe, you would feel pretty good about the afterlife because of how hard it is to kill ghosts. It's very hard to kill them. I think you'd be like, you know what? I'm going to be fine after I die. Uh, Yeah. Mario has a special place for ghosts. Yes. Yes, right? Nintendo likes ghosts as a stock enemy. Nintendo's also one of the only companies who allows their enemy types to Venn diagram sloppily over each other. Mm -hmm. Like, you'll be playing a random mid-tier Nintendo property, and you'll be like, there's fucking piranha plants in this. Why? And they're like, I don't know. We... They exist. Yeah, Who cares? What? You got something <laughs> against piranha plants, asshole? Like, yeah. I guess not. Fair yeah, enough. They're like, yeah, raving rabbits fight boo, but also everything else is unrelated <laughs> to Mario. I don't know why. We bought that company. Buy this game, you stupid kid. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, otherwise, I you know, I, I kind of missed the Master Sword in this game. I think that's like a trope in Zelda that they didn't have and I'm like eh, I kind of like I don't the master think there's, sword. Is there any Triforce talk? I don't think there's anything about the Triforce. You said Ganon appears. I don't even remember Ganon that. Is, when is Ganon there? Ganon is one of the shadow beasts that you fight at the very end. Oh, okay. one of them is Ganon. It's like, "Oh, I Ganon's in the he's game." He's a boar of some kind. Yes, he's a boar man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's a pig boy. Right. Yeah. But then the main thing you're doing is fighting that bird, right? Uh, the dream bird. Isn't that the final the, boss? The dream bird is. I'm trying to. I, I, I beat this like a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's like a series of monsters that you have to beat, like shadow versions of all the bosses you fought. Yes, I know you fight every boss you plus fought Ganon. so far in order, plus Ganon, plus one more thing that I forget what it is, right? Or does it end on Ganon? I think it ends with the Shadow Beasts. I'm tr- uh, oh, okay. But honestly, since it came up, I really liked that. I liked that you got to feel how much better you'd gotten at the game, because at the end of the game, the final boss is every boss you've fought in order. And you find that where these bosses were challenging before, they're pretty easy now. Like, you don't, it's not hard to get through that. Especially if you were smart enough to collect the bottles and the reinforced shirts. Yeah. uh, Which you kind of they aren't things you would have had to get to beat the game but if you don't it's a lot harder i did all the side shit. i guess it would have been really hard if you didn't yes but the even like 100 percenting this game only takes 25 nah, hours it's maybe. not it's yeah, not a big it's not deal long. not even that this maybe. was yeah. the most pleasant of the games that i was like i mean i need to play through this as quick as i can t- to podcast about yeah. it I would describe it as a sweet little ditty, yeah. and you're right. The main thing that bugs me about saying that is sweet little ditties shouldn't be a full sixty dollars. That is true. Good well, point. <laughs> I, it's, I, I'm not so I'm not so mad about how much money it is. I'm mad because, again, Nintendo has the ability to release it, this. It's the concept yeah. that they're like. Look, Zelda's in it. It's full price. Or I'm sorry. Look, Link's in it. It's full price. Fuck you. I don't care if it's right. shorter or simpler. And like it's, or if we invested way less budget in it than the other one, just pay us. Yeah, it's the, it's the Disney vault. It's the Disney vault, which <laughs> yeah. is like you know this vault shouldn't exist. Just like let me buy the movies when I want to buy them. You know, uh, yeah. like I want to be able to play Super Mario 64 right now, and you can't. There's like it's very difficult. There's no yeah. place other than stealing it. On PC, yeah, you have to but, steal it, and it's yeah. like no, I I would pay twenty bucks for Super Mario sixty four today. I'd pay today for that. I I think Link's Awakening should have been twenty nine ninety nine personally. I would I would have been right thrilled with that. Yeah, but again, I, and I you know aside from Nintendo's like, hey man, this is capitalism. That's how it works. I, fine, but also it's mm-hmm. more importantly, it was to bo- bolster a pretty weak year of releases for them. That's right. like, hey, you guys need to have more games. Like this year, yeah. they released Mario Maker Two, Pokemon, and Luigi's Mansion Three, and Link's Awakening. And like, what else did they have that was a big release? 
that's, that's all. It? But they don't have third party as they are want to not they have, do. Well, they have so. a million like little indie games, and I'm not Matt. Yeah, but, you know they're they're opening those roads up like. Big budget third party shit came to, says starting to get ported to the Switch. That's a new but it's, trend. Yeah, but it's always worse there. Like it's not the best place to play them. Yeah, and it's it, like well, no, but it's cheaper than a PlayStation. Sure, equivalent. but if you're and I mean I I realize I'm the Nintendo fanboy here, but like I'm I'm just saying like, hey Nintendo, if you're gonna intentionally make a system that has less computing power so that you can make it also a handheld device. Hey, no problem. I like the innovation of it. Release enough games. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. release enough games. That is not enough games. And I think that people are reasonable if they're like, there's not any games on the Switch. That sucks. I think that's a reasonable objection. Sure. You know, when, when I, they have right. like 10 great games, but that's all they got. But that's the tale as old as time. Mm-hmm. That's what Nintendo That's what does. they do. They make good games. No one else will po- make shit for them, by and large. And they can only make games as fast as they make them. But and they'll good. all be great. That's what Nintendo yeah. is. One of them will yeah. be Breath of the Wild, yeah. and it's like, well, shit. That's one of them will be Mario Kart, and it'll be really yep. fun and good. And Smash Brothers will yep. be really good. Mario, <laughs> whatever the new Mario platformer, but you will have be great. To fucking, you have to fucking wait for it. It'll come out when it does. Ugh. And there's very little in between to tide you Ugh. over. Do they not really? <laughs> uh, yeah. I understand. I, I, I love you and hate you, Nintendo. I love you and hate you. All right. Final checkpoint. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess, the 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We killed an animal we dreamed about, and we picked up its drum or whatever. <laughs> That's right, all those musical instruments. One of seven times, yeah. yeah. Um, which brings us to our final segment, Keeper Delete, mm. which is exactly what it sounds like. It's the uh, boiled down, yes or no, should this game be uh, honored or not for people who crave that. I honestly think it's more interesting unpacking things. But uh, we figured we should at least include a yay or nay segment, and yeah, this is it. For sure. So uh, for this game, Adam, yay or nay? Uh, I'm going to delete it. I If I had to keep one top-down Zelda, it'd be linked to the past, probably. And it's not the only Zelda I would keep, but I definitely can't keep, like, five. I would keep, like, a couple, and that's, this is not one of them for me. I am... 
I look much more charitably than you do on the fact that it's a remake. I So I want to say that is not going into my decision, but nevertheless, I will delete it for similar reasons. Yeah. Only because I expect, due to its success, they will remaster Link to the Past soon enough. And that will be exactly like this, but longer and better. So it would be weird if I kept this and then confronted that. <laughs> Remaster Ocarina of Time. Because I'd be like, time. oh, I should keep this. Yeah, give me Ocarina of Time again. Can we get that game remastered? That's, it's like, I'm sure it'll uh, happen. Well, that's those are the games that I feel like... You know what? I don't want to argue because I think that Game Boy games are the kind of thing that most people wouldn't have played. So there is some value to that. The fact that I didn't play this before now, and you didn't either, right? And I wouldn't exactly. have without this. So that, that's that's valuable, and I don't want to take away from that. That was my main delight, is that yeah. I never played this before. It's Same, I hadn't either, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. NBC, Thursday nights. It's new to you, <laughs> shithead. You haven't seen it. You don't remember. <laughs> it's new to you, comma, shithead. Is... Last man standing, shithead. Yeah. <laughs> Watch it. Uh, uh, boy, we should be working for NBC. <laughs> Hey, uh, if any NBC executives are listening and they like what they just yeah. heard, feel free to reach out. It's new to <laughs> shithead. you, shithead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, farewell. I'll see you next time on One Up yeah, Work complete. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.